Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. decided to leave his level of comfortability not to build a wall of physical structure but to build up a people and the structure was the thing that would give them the hope to once again believe that they are a chosen people and I want Mosaic Church to kind of take the posture of Nehemiah and get out of our comfort zone get out of our place of privilege and let's help build up some people I want us to be people that would build something extraordinary. I've said this from the very beginning. God never called us to build a mega church, but he's always called us to make a mega impact. Anybody can grow a crowd, but only certain people are called to grow people. I've never said that God called us to build a church, but he's always ordained Mosaic Church to be a place where people are built. And I will tell you that that is the goal here. And I, don't, I can look across this room for those who've been with us for six years and some even less. You have been built up. I know your business. This is how I can say that. Uh, that's the benefit of the pastorate. I, I've talked to some of you all and I know where your starting point was. But now I can look back and say, wow, six years later, look at you, girl. You got it going on. Boy, you're doing better than you were doing six years ago, man. Y'all got it going on. And because Mosaic Church is called to be a place where people are built. But the beauty is in us building this church, Mosaic you have grown individually, you have grown personally, you have grown corporately, we have grown collectively. Why? Because we've taken a position in Nehemiah. A bunch of broken people, a bunch of broken, imperfect people coming together to do something greater than what we could ever imagine God would allow us to do. And that's where we are. Now, let me show you how Nehemiah connects to New Testament, and then I'm going to preach in a minute. So Nehemiah leaves his job, making good money, good quality of life. He said, listen, I need to build this wall, not just for the sake of building the wall to protect our borders, but I need to build this wall so that I can build up the people in the process so that they can once again be hopeful. Because they had been stagnant for a while. They were immobile. They couldn't build the wall because they were still in an oppressed mind state. It required somebody to leave a position of privilege to get them out of that. Watch what happens in the book of Acts. And just so you know, my brothers and sisters, the entire Bible from cover to cover, every single story points to one main story. 
And that is the story of our coming Savior, Messiah, Jesus Christ, including Nehemiah. So Nehemiah had to do this. Nehemiah had to leave his privileged position. Nehemiah had to go and build a wall to build up people so that this wonderful thing could happen that we find in the book of Acts chapter 2. Oh, man. The book of Acts chapter 2. If you have your Bible, I want you to meet me there. New Testament comes right after the book of uh, Luke. Okay? I mean, after John. Sorry about that. Forgive me. I didn't mean, I didn't mean that. Uh, it was written by Luke is what I was thinking. Um, right after the book of John, Acts chapter 2. Ready? 42 through 47. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and their possessions, and they shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people and each day that means every day the lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved now you're sitting here saying uh okay you're gonna have to open that one up for me pastor b because i don't see how that one connects to the one you just said earlier i don't see how what you just read connects to nehemiah and what he did well let me explain to you how that connects so we go prior to this, we go to Acts chapter 1, and you can see uh, uh, Jesus, uh, he, he's coming back, he, he's, he's already resurrected, he's defeated death, he comes back, he meets with his people, he's walking through doors, right, he's serving fish meals, he's, he's like, he's back, he's resurrected, and he's hanging out with them, and he's there with them, and he notices, watch this, that they have not done anything since he left. They, they, they were immobile. They were still mourning the Jesus that died on the cross. So he said, let me, let me come back because I gave y'all some instructions before I left. And it, it seems like y'all didn't get it. So let me come back and make sure that y'all finish what I started. Because what I said early on is that, Peter, I'm going to build the rock, the church on you, the rock. Uh, Peter, you, you're the rock that I'm going to build this church on. But we see what happens is Peter and the rest of the disciples, they're broken. They're still focusing on a Jesus that died on the cross. They're broken. They're immobile because of their mourning. They're immobile because of their pain. They're just like the people in Israel who were released from the oppressors but could not do anything. The people that were released from the bondage of the oppressor but left the wall down there. The people who were no longer under bondage but didn't do anything because they were still broken like the rubble of the wall. And here you have a new group of people in the New Testament broken followers of this of, of jesus christ broken people who have walked with jesus christ seen him perform miracles people who have been able to even at some point perform miracles himself people for three years walk with jesus christ he told them what to do and they wouldn't do it they're broken so jesus says let me fix this i got i said i'm gonna build the church on the rock that we call peter so how do i do this so jesus comes back and talks to them he says, check this out. I'm back. No, this is this really me. This is, this is really Jesus. Okay, this is me. He's walking through doors. He's feeding them fish. He's letting Thomas like, yeah, stick your hand. Yeah, see, it's me. It's me. Stick your hand right through there. That's me. I'm here. 
And he says, this is what I want y'all to do. Don't leave Jerusalem. I want you guys to stay here. Stay right where you are because I'm going to send an advocate for you. Okay, stay right where you are. Don't leave until the advocate comes. Advocate is the Holy Spirit. So they stay and they go to this building, to this, to this house, this big place of worship, so to speak. And they go to what you call the upper room. 120 believers are up in the upper room. Still mourning, still broken, still immobile because of their sadness. And all of a sudden, the Bible tells us a mighty wind. A mighty wind with the force of you, I don't know what, blows right in there. And suddenly, Peter, who had never preached before, suddenly, Peter, who had never, ever led well before, suddenly, Peter, the one who Jesus said he was going to build the church on, they come out of there. And suddenly, all of these people are out there for a big major festival. A time, a feast, a celebration known as Pentecost. People traveling from all over the world. Those who were believers, uh, uh, they were there for Pentecost. And all of a sudden, Peter steps out there. He sees all of these people from different backgrounds, from different nations. And Peter says, yo, check this out. Give me the mic. Peter grabs a mic and preaches a revival message that forever flipped the world upside down. And all of a sudden, the rock becomes the rock and the church is born. So right before the scripture I just read to you in Acts where they got together and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching before they started having meals together. Right before that, let me tell you how many were. There were 3,000 that day. After Peter grabbed the mic and spoke because Jesus had to come back and build up a people. He had to build up a people in order to build up his church because they were immobile. This is how Nehemiah and Acts are directly connected because some, it, it, oftentimes we get it confused that we're called to build up buildings. We're called to build up structures, these major edifices. But no, God has never called us to build up buildings or structures. He's always from the very beginning said, I need you to build up people. And the Bible says this, that that that, that day, 3,000, that day. Once he was done, once he dropped the mic and pulled a move like nobody had ever seen before, once he dropped the mic, got everybody's attention, 3,000 said, you know what, I came here for Pentecost, but I'm going to stick around a little longer because this is too good. Y'all got to catch that. People travel from all over the place. They came for one thing but got more than they bargained for. Came for one thing, got more than they bargained for. Some of them stayed because of the word was so powerful because because pre- Peter preached so well and they devoted themselves to this teaching and so here you are people built up now they build a church and Mosaic Church God is telling me to tell you the same thing let's build something extraordinary these people built something extraordinary Nehemiah built something extraordinary yeah the wall was pretty yeah the wall was wonderful yeah it was glorious but the people who worked the wall was the extraordinary thing that was built oh man the message that Peter preached was incredible the message that he said was powerful oh it was good the message was good but the people that were built as a result of the message that was extraordinary and I am saying to you today Mosaic Church let us build something extraordinary Something that will outlive you and I. I ask this question often and I really want you to ponder it for a moment. If Mosaic Church ceases to exist, will the community notice? That's something to really think about. 
if we cease to exist, if, we sh- if, if, if next week come and there ain't no service here, will the community notice? If a month goes by and, 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 and there's nothing that's going on at Mosaic Church, will the community notice? Will they feel our absence if we have to leave? And I would say there, there are some that might, but not enough. The city of Mableton needs to weep if something happens to Mosaic. And that's where I want us to be. To where the city weeps because of the impact that we do in this community. Amen? So here, here, here's something I need you to know you, you got to get. How do you build something extraordinary? Well, you got to understand what an extraordinary church looks like. And when I say an extraordinary church, I'm not talking about this body. I'm not talking about this building. I'm talking about us individually, and I'm talking about us collectively. So when I say uh, an extraordinary church, I'm talking about you. Outside of these four walls, I'm talking about you outside of Sunday morning service. I'm talking about you throughout the week. I'm talking about you when you're sitting down writing your goals and your plans for life. Help me build something extraordinary. So let me explain to you what an extraordinary church is. Number one, if you're taking notes, extraordinary churches are never stagnant. They're always growing. Extraordinary churches are never stagnant. They are always growing. Well, how do you know that? Well, let's start with Nehemiah. Once again, I got to point you back to there. Because if the people in in the book of Nehemiah remain stagnant, we would never have the Gospels, nor would we have the book of Acts. If, If Nehemiah himself had not decided as an individual to leave his place of privilege and go out there and help his people, there would not be Gospels. There would not be the book of Acts. But Nehemiah said, you know what? My privilege is not for me. My privilege is for them. King, I'm gone. But since I'm gone, let me ask you for some help. The king gave him his first resources to go out there and help his people. Had Nehemiah not stepped out. And the people not grown, there would not be a book of Acts. There would not be Gospels. But because Nehemiah stepped from his place of privilege, the people grew. They grew two ways. They grew internally, spiritually. They grew stronger. They redeemed their courage. They, there was pride that grew up in them. They were like, yeah, look what we did. And they looked at that wall and they said, we did this. We're back. And everybody was flourishing. Life was good for them yet again. But it took one person to get out of his privilege to be the church, even though that wasn't the church then. But he looked like the church and he got them to do something extraordinary. They were not stagnant. They grew. Okay, maybe you didn't get it. Let me talk about Acts. The Bible said they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing meals, right? Including the Lord's Supper. And I'm going to just go fast forward. I want you, this is the part I want you to know that, so you know that they're growing. Ready? And every day, every day, every 24 hours, the Bible is saying, God added to their number. Why? Because they were extraordinary. Every day, God added to their numbers a number of people who were believers. And that continued on. How do I know? Well, (laughs) how many Christians and believers do we have in the world today? 
We continue to grow. And some may say, no, nah, Pastor B, I read an article and I see the statistics that the church in America is dying. And I would look and say, you know what? You might be on to something, but let me share something with you. The church in Asia is growing exponentially. The church in Africa is growing exponentially. As a matter of fact, in places in Africa, Brazil, and Asia, every day that they assemble, thousands are becoming Christians every day. And they're risking their lives to do it. Every day. But we, <laughs> we sit with our privilege. We got AC. We got lights. We got water. We got walls. You're like, huh? We got walls? Yeah, we have walls. You know, in Africa, when they start a church sometime, I've seen it with my own eyes. They start a church, they got a roof. And they have to bring their own chairs. Sometimes their chair is nothing more than a milk cart. And sometimes they travel by feet. By feet. They walk. Five, ten miles, and they get to the church and don't leave until something happens. We watching our clocks. All right, Pastor, how long, how long are you gonna be on this one point? You gotta go. To, you say you got five. You gotta get. Come on now, move to the next point. No, <laughs> we're privileged. We really are. So we're ordinary because of our privilege. I want us to build something extraordinary so that we're not stagnant, but we're constantly growing. We're growing internally, meaning within ourselves, but we're growing externally, meaning the number of people that are moving along on this journey with us. The movement here. And I refuse to believe and I refuse to accept that on my watch, the church is dying in America. If you're going to sit there and accept that statistic, then you need to question your belief system. I refuse to accept that. I'm not going to read that and say that's okay with me. Heck no. I almost said the other word, but my mama here <laughs> will not allow it. Not on my watch. Number two, extraordinary churches are sensitive to their environment. Extraordinary churches are sensitive to their environment. In other words, we know what's going on in our neighborhoods. We know what's going on in our surrounding areas. Let me, let me, let me get more personal. We know what's going on inside of our churches, inside of our buildings. Inside this one small congregation of believers at Mosaic Church. Watch this. There should never be somebody in here that has a need. I'm being real. There should never in this congregation, there should never be somebody that has a need. And we don't address it. It's too many of us. We can't give you a house, but man, I'm sure somebody, we can find housing if that's what you need. Clothes, food, whatever the case may be. In this church, there should never be a single person that has a need. And then that needs to be replicated out in the streets. I'm serious. We need to be sensitive to what's going on in our environment. And here's the good news, Mosaic Church. We're, 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 we're there. We're not all the way there. We're there. Well, how do I know that? Well, I can look at, watch this, the number of uh, commendations we've received over the course of our time serving in this community. I can look at the number of awards uh, we've, we've received for the work that we do in this community. I also can look at the number of invitations we get. In other words, if something goes down in this city, they will always look around and say, you know who's missing from this table? Mosaic Church. That's happening right now. I promise you. We're always invited to be to, at, for a seat at the table. And you know why? Because we don't want to get to the table just to be at the table. We actually make a change when we're at the table. 
They know we're going to fight. They know we're going to protest. They know we're going to show up at the school board and say this is not cool. They know that we're going to make our, raise our voices. They know that we ain't going to let nobody be hungry even if it costs us our own. And an extraordinary church is sensitive to their environment internally and externally. And when I say that, I'm not talking about just this congregation. I'm talking about you. How your neighbor doing? Oh, you don't know your neighbor's name. Remember back in the day, me and my mother spent the other day just talking about the neighborhood that we grew up in. We were just talking about, you know, nobody ever sent, you know, you go out playing with your friends. Nobody ever sent you home because it was dinner time. They're like, you going to see, when we make you a plate too, call your mother, let your mother know you're going to eat over here tonight. And, 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 and God forbid I do something bad. They catch me doing something bad. But listen, before I got home, like three people done whooped me. And then when I get home, that's when I get the final one. Huh? And it was okay. It was okay. My mother, my grandmother, they, they did not complain that I got a whooping. I shouldn't have been doing what I was doing. And it's sure enough going to get back to you. We knew our neighbors. And it was okay if you had nosy neighbors because that protected you. It was okay if you had nosy neighbors because you were never, ever hungry. It was okay if you had nosy neighbors because you knew where your kids were. It was okay. We have forgotten that. Why? Because everything is about all about me. I got mine. You got to get yours. I, I, I've got mine. You got to make sure you take care of yours. I got my. I don't need to know them. I don't want them all in my business. I don't want, don't be having no strange people at my house. I grew up in a house of strange people. My grandmother had a boarding house. Yeah, imagine, imagine how that went. Always strange people, strangers all the time. I grew up in that environment, but nobody was ever a stranger. They were always family. What happened to those days? All right, I'll digress, but an extraordinary church, meaning you, you're sensitive to your environment. Number three, extraordinary churches are spiritually driven. Extraordinary churches are spiritually driven. We're not we're not driven for self gain. It's not about what I get out of this Uh, spiritually driven. It's not about about what's in it for me. It's not about that. We're spiritually driven. Everything we do is guided by the Holy Spirit. I often hear people get on me about, you know, pastor, man, why don't we do uh, communion on first Sundays all the time? Holy Spirit didn't tell me to. We're going to do communion. But when the Holy Spirit prompts me to. We might do it every week sometime. We, I mean, I, I promise you, we do it every, we do it two, three times a week. Is that right, Elder? Every time we get together to pray, we're we taking communion. People ask, so why, don't we, why don't we do it that way? Because it's religious. We don't do it on first Sundays all the time. Why? Because it's religious. And I'm not knocking those who do that. That's, that's your religion. But I, I, I got, I, Jesus never came to start religion. He came to start relationship. And so I don't want to do anything religious. I want to be completely spirit-led. And I tell people all the time, Mosaic Church, we are a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church, but we are 100% spirit-led. Where the spirit says go, we'll go. We'll stay in this building until the spirit says, I told y'all to leave. The spirit going to have to give us eviction notice. You understand me? We are spirit-led. And that applies to you individually. How much of what you do with your life is something that you decided to do without even considering it in prayer? How much of what you do blesses just you? Nobody else. Your family benefits and, and, and is truly blessed, but nobody else around you is suffering, is, is, is blessed. Everybody else is suffering. 
Spirit led is being moved by the Spirit, guided by the Spirit. Where the Spirit says go, you go. And extraordinary churches are spiritually driven. Extraordinary churches aren't looking for uh, uh, the spoon so that they can be fed. Mm. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Help me now. Holy Ghost. Extraordinary churches are self-feeders. And I'm not saying you should come to church and just, just be like, you know, well, why am I here? If all I'm here to do is just, just serve and, and, and when I, well, why am I here? No, you should get something out of it, but you shouldn't rely only on what the pastor says. The Bible says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, right? And, and so in their time, the only way they received the apostles' teaching was literally the apostles standing up there teaching them everything that they knew about their time with Jesus so that they would know, you know what, Jesus told us this before, and he said this about us, and one time he performed this miracle, and he also said this, and, and if we keep his commands, this, this is what Jesus said. But then somehow, some way, something happened uh, after the apostles and all of them were, were on their way out, they decided, you know what, we need to write this down because someday we'll die. And so so what they did was have people that put it in the books. They had scribes to write it down. So now when you devote yourself to the apostles teaching, part of it is me sharing what this is. But most of it is you devoting yourself to the Bible. This is the apostles teaching. Everything that they taught to those early believers. Guess what? It's now transcribed in this thing called the Bible. This is how you devote yourself to the apostles teaching. It's not just me preaching to, you know, it's you on your own time. So when you say, oh, I'm not being fed, then I say, well, what's wrong with your personal devotion? Number four. Extraordinary churches are sword carriers. Extraordinary churches are sword carriers. And let me explain to you what I mean by that. <laughs> Sword carriers. When you look at the sword, the sword is used for two things. One is used for protection, to fight off anything that's attacking you. But it's also used for progression. In other words, when I want to claim more territory, when I want to advance into enemy line, when I want to take back what's been stolen from me, I advance. So the sword is used to fight off stuff that comes at you, but it's also used to charge and take advance to take more territory now let's talk about that the church has done a very poor job of being a sword carrier here's what has happened with with being a sword carrier uh, uh, our defense mechanism is up but we're not taking any offense we're not claiming any territory let me explain to you what i mean by that uh, we're not standing up for what is right we're silent about matters that, that, that really matter to Jesus. Uh, uh, I will say this, and hello, Facebook family. I'm glad y'all joined us live, but I'm going to say something that might get me in trouble. Uh, there was a group of evangelical pastors uh, uh, that, that came out with a letter. Uh, uh, they will remain nameless, but you can research it. A group of the evangelical pastors that came out with a letter, 7,000 signatures on this letter, and this is what the letter said. They said that uh, we believe that 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 social justice is damaging the gospel. 
one of these evangelical pastors is considered a modern day scholar. And I, I actually question his scholarship at this point because that is such a fallacy to, fallacy to say that, the, that, that social justice, preaching social justice is damaging the gospel. I say to myself, well, 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 well brother preacher, brother scholar, whoever you are, I say this, um, if that is the case, then tell me why would Jesus always care for women and orphans in their time of need? That was considered social justice justice why did jesus come and tear down racial walls that divided us that is considered social justice why did my jesus go after the poor and take care of them so nobody had a need that is social justice so show me brother preacher brother scholar whoever you are how that is damaging i think that preaching the opposite of that is damaging we need to be sword carriers to stand up against false prophets and false teachers preaching that propaganda, saying that junk because their witness is weak. When people say that, when these evangelicals stand up behind the pulpit trying to preach a, a, a message of morality uh, and trying to align themselves up with the right political party to, le- uh, to legislate morality, what has happened is their witness has gotten weak. Let me show you how I mean by that. Jesus said to go and preach and teach to people, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In other words, he said, the way that you reach people's heart is to simply love them, share with them everything that I've shared with you, and then let me do the converting. But what has happened is these evangelicals, because their witness is weak and watered down, they say the only way I can get people to do right is to put it in law. I'm preaching better than y'all talking today. Maybe I'm going too fast. If we would just witness... We don't have to legislate. If you would just witness, politics don't play a part. If your witness is strong, if your testimony is strong, if you love your neighbor as yourself, I don't have to legislate morality. Listen, Jesus never ever told us to get in a position to where we have the authority to tell a woman what she should do with her body. That is not Bible. That's heresy. Woman has a right to choose what she wants to do with her body. Jesus never ever told us to legislate that. As a matter of fact, the Jesus I read about had everything against the government. He had nothing to do with the Roman society. As a matter of fact, he said it this way. Watch this. Render unto Caesar, that's the government, what is Caesar's and what is God's is God's. Meaning morality belongs to God, not something the government should make a decision about. Sword carriers. Those who carry the authentic weapon of choice. And for us, it's this Bible. Not taking it and watering it down to fit our personal agenda, but reading it and applying it to make lives closer and more palatable, more accepting to the word of God. This Bible right here, even though we may not agree with it, you've got to read it and do what it says. And in part of this Bible, especially the New Testament, deals with issues like social justice. If somebody being poor don't matter to you, I question your gospel. If somebody's hurting and and it doesn't matter to you, I question your gospel. If there's a woman that wants to make a decision with her body and you got an issue with it, I question your gospel. We're never called to judge. We're always called to love. That's the Bible. That's not Broderick Santiago. And we have to be, as an extraordinary church, sword carriers. We carry this word on our hearts. 
We carry these words in our life. We carry this sword with us to fight, but also to claim back everything that culture has taken from us. Culture has robbed us of the authentic and beautiful and wonderful Jesus that we love and serve. We've used Jesus for personal and political gain. We even have it on our money. In God we trust. We've totally, totally pimped out Jesus. And I believe if Jesus was here right now and he'd be walking up in every single uh, 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 White House, every single Capitol building, flipping over tables because they have pimped out Jesus. We have to be sword carriers. Extraordinary church is number five, and I'm done right here, I promise you. Extraordinary churches are servants. Extraordinary churches are servants. What, is, what do I mean by that? I, I simply mean that we don't serve our own personal agenda. We serve the living God. We serve God and his commands for our lives. And I'm not saying the service you do here at Mosaic Church. I say this, and I'll say, I said this at the 9 o'clock service. If you serve here because I asked you to serve, you missed it because you're serving me, not God. I would hope that anything that you do at this church is, is, is to serve God. From making coffee to putting out signs to helping people park, it's all to lead them to relationship with Christ. It's not about me. It's absolutely not about me because guess what? I can't get you into heaven. I'm not that qualified. I can't, I, can't, I can't ask God for a hookup for you when we get to the gates. Just, I'm, not, I'm not qualified. I'm going to be asking for help myself. Everything you do, service unto others, should be kingdom building. How do I know? Well, let's look at Jesus. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, listen, I came to serve not to be served. I came so that I'm not, 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 not so that you can serve me. Even though I am king of kings. Even though I am lord of lords. Even though I am the coming Messiah. Even though I am royalty in the flesh. I should ask you to do that. But I'm here not to get that. I'm here to serve you. And, and right after he said that, he said, let me show you what I mean. He wrapped a towel around his waist got down on his knees in a lowly position of surrender, of servitude. He grabbed the stinky, funky, dirty feet of his disciples and began to wash them. Now, y'all know that the disciples, when they were on mission trips, they didn't wear Timberlands. Or they didn't have Jordans, anything like that. They wore sandals. They wore sandals. And when you, how many of y'all wore sandals on dirty roads before? When you take that sandal off, that's some dirt, right? You understand what I mean? Uh, and, and so, and so they also walked everywhere. So sometimes they walk through dung. Y'all, y'all know what dung is. Mm-hmm. So Jesus said, I'm going to wipe all of the dirt, all of the mess, all of the dung off of your feet. Why? Because I came to serve you, not to be served. I'm doing this as a model example because this is how I want you guys to do it to the world. And God has called every single one of us to be servants, serve others. I said earlier, we are in a place of privilege. What are we doing with our privilege? And I will tell you, we didn't have to be born in America. That's going to beep in three seconds, two seconds, one second. What are we going to do with the privilege we have? What can we do with what we have? We've got to, we have to look at our privilege and say, God, what can I do with what I have? You have given me more than I need. What am I doing to make somebody's life better simply because I exist? And you may be saying, I don't have a whole lot. Heck, there was a woman, a widow that had nothing. 
and gave her nothing. And God said, Jesus said, you blessed this poor widow. Don't even have any other source of income after this. Her husband is gone. She's bringing her last because of her faith. Or the people we read about in the book of Acts sold their possessions according to Acts chapter 2. Sold their possessions according to Acts chapter 4. Sold their possessions so that nobody had a need. They said they, they sold their possessions and brought them to the apostles' feet and said, yo, take this and make sure everybody eat good. Take this and make sure everybody got somebody somewhere to live. Here, here, apostle, take this money right here and make sure everybody gets a good quality education. Take this and, and make sure everybody has clothes on their backs. Take this and make sure that you continue to be able to teach this word to people because we need more people to learn how good God is. We need more people sharing the good news of the gospel. Take this, apostle, and do ministry with it. This is what he was saying. And we, extraordinary churches, are called to be servants. But it takes us giving of our time, our talent, and our resources to do it. So I close by saying this in summary. Will y'all help me build something extraordinary? Because I believe that you all are extraordinary servants. I believe that you all are extraordinary sword carriers. I believe that you all are extraordinarily spiritually driven. I believe that everybody in here... Because you are extraordinary, you are sensitive to the environment. And finally, I believe that because you are extraordinary, we can build something extraordinary that is not stagnant, but that will surely grow. Will you help me build something extraordinary? The process of being extraordinary begins with one salvation begins with the right relationship with God if you will just for a moment close your eyes all over this sanctuary I want to give you the opportunity to take the first step in being extraordinary and that's receiving Christ or rededicating your life to Christ if you're in this room and you want to just rededicate your life or receive Christ for the first time nobody's looking just raise your hand I want to pray for you raise your hand hallelujah you want to rededicate or receive Christ today? Just raise your hand. Let me pray for you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. I see you. Is there anyone else? None of us have had it. Let's take our last step. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.